When nobody knows your name, season 7 review is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We made it to the end of season (laughs) 7! And what a season it's been, James. This is, uh, I'd say, a 7 out of 7. What? That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, prime number rating scales. Whoa, it's crazy times. I, <laughs> I, this is going to be a brave statement, perhaps controversial to some. I think this is potentially the first season where it's truly an ensemble show. Hmm. Do you know, I, I tend to agree with that and we'll get into it later on. I'm not sure if you mean that in a good or bad way. I'm not sure if I'll take it in a good or bad way. I I mean that it's not as focused on the romantic relationship between Sam Mm. and the uh, female person he's interested in, whether that be Diana or Rebecca. It's more about the people in the show, and I think it was more balanced between uh, those two and the rest of the cast. This season, in comparison to to every other previous season, much more balanced. I think I'd... uh... I definitely agree with that. But I I mean, we'll get into this later on. I think it lacked a bit of focus as a season as a whole. Well, that's interesting. And that's uh, I'll go into what the uh, reviewers said at the time. But yes, I think regardless of quality, I think that's the approach they were going for, mm. the more ensemble approach, for better or worse. And before we get into talking about reviews, should we talk about each character and a little bit about their stories in each uh, in this season so far? Yeah, potentially the biggest one was uh, the Cranes. Yeah, when you said the biggest one, I thought you were going to say someone else. So yeah, like, like you say, each character got their dues with it. But the Cranes are a good one to start with because they had yeah some big news through this season. Yeah, they were adjusting to life as a as a married couple. Fraser, at times, not knowing how to behave as a married man. Uh, and they had a surprise along the way with Lith announcing her pregnancy which was a nice surprise. Yeah, and that's probably something which is going to stick with this season for a while. Uh, another character revelation is that uh, Woody's found love through this season as well. He has, yeah. And it's, oh, isn't it adorable? Yeah, young <laughs> young Woody in a, in, in almost a Romeo and Juliet situation, but, you know, with less poison. Uh, <laughs> less, less death in it, yeah. Less, less death, yeah. But the, the class divide is there. <laughs> I don't think there's... Is there class divide in Romeo and Juliet? I don't know if it's necessarily a class divide, but there's a divide of, of families, isn't there? Like, oh, you can't yeah. date that one. They're from another place, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. I suppose in terms of uh, character arcs this season, Sam doesn't have a huge, huge story through this season, I'd say. Uh, he reclaims... the bar doesn't he he gets uh, the manager role back at the bar and that's that's right at the beginning right at the beginning and then his story arc's done and he's like hey i'm a bar manager again (laughs) guess i'll go back to uh chasing women they've uh, they've (laughs) floated the will they won't they with him and rebecca uh, throughout this season a couple of times rebecca through the season is over evan drake from season six this is true yeah he gets a few name drops but as the season goes on uh, she forgets more about him. Yes, uh, right at the start, she <laughs> she makes a great comment, which is, "Men, you're all alike, nothing but users and takers and big stupid jerks who don't even know you exist, and then go running off to Japan with someone else." Uh, 
And as you say, by the end of the season, barely gets a mention. Uh, someone else who was big in last season and gets less and less mentions through this season is obviously Eddie Lebeck, Carla's husband. He uh, he was quite a lot in, in season six and through this season, he's sort of got less and less to do. I think for most of this season, he's just been a phone call in another set. Yeah, that's, that's it exactly. Because um, they got married at the start of season six. And I think a lot of that season was them in a... Uh, Almost a honeymoon period. I think Carla's characters suffered a bit through this season with uh, not much to do because of this. I, I'd agree, yeah. Uh, she she lacked the depth and uh, development that she had in previous seasons. Um, but she did have the uh, troubles and strife through that long-distance relationship that mm. was often the case with, with Eddie. Uh, and, you know... Although saying that, she had quite a few things to do in... Uh, those lips, those eyes, and also uh, without Eddie there, I kid you not, was probably a really good episode for Carla. We would see her interactions yeah. with her kids as well. Yeah, and I, I really liked that that episode. Little Ludgo. Little little Luddy T. That's the spin-off I wanted. So against the menace, <laughs> kind of. Little Ludgo. <laughs> uh, an interesting story arc or, or theme, uh, depending on one's outlook, is Rebecca trying to prove her place in in the kind of man's world of, of 80s conglomerate culture, whereas mm. season six was very much about her trying to prove herself to a specific man and a specific love interest in Evan Drake. This one was more her trying to prove herself in that culture as a whole. Yeah, definitely a, a career-driven through this season. There was a lot of sort of marketing opportunities that she wanted to do with Cheers, try and sell sell the business a bit more. Yes. And prove herself in the business world. And then uh, I think our only characters left to talk about really are our two uh, barflies, Cliff and Norm. Cliff and Norm, yeah. Cliff Cliff had very little going on. Cliff generally, <laughs> ge- generally has very little going on. And I think, I think it's shown because uh, uh, when Ken Levi said, I don't like writing Cliff, I think it's shown in this season uh, because he didn't have much to do. But he did become slightly more self-aware and he gained, much like Carla, a long-distance relationship, didn't he? Mm, so uh, we saw a bit of romance with Cliff in Please Mr. Postman. And uh, I suppose his only other sort of big episode through this was how to win friends and electrocute people. Yeah, where he where became he, slightly uh... more self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff, Cliff just being crazy Cliff. And I suppose he did get uh, a little bit to do with the Admiral in uh, later in the season as well. But uh, only probably three or four maybe standout moments yeah. this season where he's had a huge amount to do. Yeah, often he just came in with going, guys, you know, I thought of uh, something. and A beta bigger. <laughs> I thought I'd beat a beta bigger feed on a beta. Uh, but <laughs> what's interesting is that a couple of ideas he's had this season. Mm-hmm do either exist now or we look on it in hindsight and be like, not a bad idea, actually. Like the beta baker as a, <laughs> as a root vegetable. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not intrinsically against that. And, you know, beta baker fajita sounds all right, you know? Yeah, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't invent the fajita. He just... No, but he... He, he just said... <laughs> he didn't invent the fajita. No, but he invented a vegetable and, you know... I, as uh, I think Barry and I were the ones who discussed this episode and 
we said, yeah, that would go down very well in kind of uh, vegan-driven hipster cafes <laughs> today, wouldn't it? That's true, actually. Uh, There's probably big demand for the Peter Baker by now. And he talked about, you know, tanks that could go underwater was an option, was something else he mentioned at one point, which they exist. Uh, I don't know when the, when they started making them, but yeah, uh, he's not completely off the mark. So, you know, this season it was, he, he did rein it in a little, you know. <laughs> and then uh, I guess our final person to talk about is Norm, who I think got a, a fair amount in this season. He got a bit of a career change again. Uh, but this time, I suppose, I suppose the most interesting career change, and he, he got quite a few nice moments with this. Yeah, because he uh, he dabbled in painting last season with the office and with Evan Drake's mm. uh, room, but in this season he's gone uh, full time, gone legit, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's got a business now, helped by uh, helped by Rebecca to sort of promote it with Carl oh, the Chameleon. Carl the Chameleon. <laughs> yeah. He changes colours, so you don't have to. Um. <laughs> I, I still don't get why how the comedian factors in with the AAA. Oh, that was just a yeah, uh, strategic uh, yeah, yeah, decision. I, yeah. Why a chameleon? <laughs> you can ask that of, uh, uh, your marketing strategy is too diffuse. <laughs> just... <laughs> uh. But I guess out of all of these uh, stories and developments, James, who would you say... I know you said it was a fairly even season with an ensemble sort of focus, but who do you think probably you'd say this season goes to? You know, who do you say I, your most valuable player is? The MVPs. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm always inclined towards Fraser and Lilith, but I think that would be that. I think that would feel like cheating if I said Fraser and Lilith, because even when Lilith wasn't a recurring character, I liked their interactions. So. <laughs> I think I did like the Rebecca moments this season. I liked mm. uh I liked how it felt like she was going up against different video game bosses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the big boss, the visiting lecturer at the end as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um as you know, in that episode I, I was gonna say it didn't it didn't hit the finale like they did in previous seasons, partly because it was an ensemble show. But I think that episode did, I guess, summarize uh, Rebecca's difficulties in mm. in the in the workplace and the environment. And I, I, do you know who I'd say, James? Old Woodrow himself. If you take even out of uh, if you take his sort of romance out of the equation as well, Bar Wars too. The Woodman Strikes Back, a great standalone episode for Woody. Him just as Moses? Yeah, in uh, Swear to God. How could I forget that? Hult Infidel. Hult Infidel! <laughs> <laughs> Jumping Jerks as well was a great standout, I thought, and I thought Woody carried quite a bit of that as the sort of the... Moral centre, wasn't he? Yeah, the sort of moral centre of that story. And I suppose he is through a lot of these. But then if you take into account his uh, relationship with Kelly through these sort of second half of this season, I think he's got to be my MVP of this season, James. Well, I think that that goes to what I said at the beginning. It's very much an ensemble season. This it's uh, any own game, but probably not Sam's. Sam, <laughs> you had your you had your turn um, after the but, first two episodes. I think Sam does take a bit of a back seat through this season, which is ironic because that's Rebecca's nickname. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't even mean that. 
Well, <laughs> there you go. But uh, let's see, uh, what do you think reviewers thought of it at the time? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> this is what <laughs> we of course know that the premiere was delayed to uh, October twenty seventh because there was a, a writers girl strike. Night Court was moved to Wednesdays. Dear John took its place. So the Thursday lineup consisted of Cheers, Dear John, The Cosby Show, A Different World, and L.A. Law. Behind the scenes, we saw Angel, Casey, and Lee leave uh, to form Grub Street Productions, which produced Wings. In terms of ratings, season seven placed fourth in rating share with a 22.5 rating and a 35 share. A columnist in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette found that Long's departure, Shelley Long, Diane, uh, was still felt and that Rebecca was an annoying replacement. Harsh. That harsh is harsh. There. Yeah, they've left themselves <laughs> an enormous, this, this reviewer. Uh, a syndicate columnist, Joe Stein, felt that season six and seven were watered down and that Rebecca was not as compelling as Diane. I think Rebecca and Diane are different characters. Diane, I think, uh, was ahead of her time as a character. I think she came in as uh, this intellectual academic into this sports bar, and hence that's what kicked off the show and why there was that inherent clash. I think what Rebecca uh, does and symbolizes is that fight against corporate culture for for women in the 80s uh, you know so she's a, she's a symbol in some ways do you know what i'd say as well i think it's a hard comparison to make it is when as you say this season was so much about more than just that dynamic yeah. between two people which the first five seasons was you know yeah there's there's more going on in this to say that it, it it's no longer uh, two leads and a and a support cast it is that ensemble piece exactly and one critic in particular praised this season for ensemble performances. More, more than one critic praised it for that reason. But I want to pick out this critic in particular. They praised it for the ensemble performances, though still admitting they missed Coach and Diane, which I think is a very measured, fair response. This critic appeared in season seven, so whether they're, uh, <laughs> whether they're biased, I don't know. It's, it's Herb Kane, Mr. San Francisco. Um, <laughs> season seven's great. Watch it. <laughs> no complaints, especially um, the ensemble. <laughs> everyone is equal in Cheers season seven, even the one-off guests. Uh, Todd Thriller of Sitcoms Online gave, called it strong. Uh, David Johnson of DVD ver- nothing else from Todd Fuller. That, that's the whole quote. That's yeah. Okay. Uh, David Johnson. I give of, his review uh, the quote of a week. Uh, David Johnson of DVD Verdict gave the story ninety and acting ninety-five. A particular praise for the more episodic rather than serialized rom-com approach, which again is because of the uh, ensemble nature of the of mm. this season. Uh, he praised Kirstie Alley's solid comic force and for her over-the-top portrayal of neurosis. I think that is what uh, Rebecca will be known for, <laughs> to be fair. Jeffrey Robinson of DVD Talk uh, gave it 3.5 out of 5 stars and the replay value 4, saying it was fun and amusing, which you know is, is usually what you want from a sitcom. Replay of a 4 is not very high, though. Oh, out, out, of, out of five, out of, five. Out of, ten. Out of five. Oh, that's yeah. very high then. 
<laughs> me play value two uh, ten <laughs> watch it once and then you're done uh in one out of a hundred <laughs> uh common film said it was a strong role with fine performances again that word of strong use a thesaurus mm. <laughs> when <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> salty uh, i've been hanging out with carla too much um it, it won three emmys including outstanding comedy series Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series for Woody Harrelson and Outstanding mm. Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for Rhea Pullman. I'm surprised by the latter, not because she wasn't outstanding, but because she didn't have as much as a character uh, on the arc this season. Uh, I'm glad mm. for her. I was just uh, just surprised. Um, and then in addition to that, there were also some nominees as well, I believe. I believe Ted Danson was nominated for lead actor in a comedy series. George went went up against Woody Harrelson for uh, supporting actor, I believe, and then also James Burroughs for director. Oh, and he didn't win. That's a shame. Didn't win, no. Um, uh, Rhea Perlman also won funniest supporting actress at the Third American Comedy Awards. Hmm. I wonder, I mean, I I didn't look at the other nominees, you know, but normally for these uh, awards, they don't sort of cite the whole season. They normally pinpoint a a couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at sort of some of her episodes, like Swear to God was a good one for her. Uh, We mentioned Those Lips, Those Ice, and I kid you not, she does shine in those episodes in particular. Maybe that's what it is because it's an ensemble show. There's just a standout performance in one of the episodes, which is a focus on them. And now, as we said, this was a, it's an ensemble show, which means that we had diverse investments, diverse portfolio. Yeah, that's business related. But, but when, you know, when was, when was that stock chart at its peak? And when was, when was it, you know, when was it crashing? Are you trying to say highest highs and lowest lows? I'm trying to, and you know, I'm failing. Do you know, I... Through this season, I don't think there were many lows, if I'm honest. I struggled to find lows. One of the lowest lows I put, one of them was Dr. Lawrence Crandall getting away with, 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 harassing, <laughs> with harassing Rebecca. That was a low point. But then the one just above that was Rebecca murdering Susan, which didn't actually happen. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this season overall was definitely a lot happier. You know, in yeah. previous seasons, we've seen uh, Sam wispy looking out a window depressed contemplating his age and how he's uh, past his prime we don't get any of that this season instead we do get quite a few highs though we do like the pregnancy reveal the gang advertising cheers while jumping from a plane which is you know both senses of the (laughs) word highest high yeah winning the bloody mary contest albeit sneakily (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing that all of the episodes have ended on a high, I suppose, is the thing to say. Uh, another one I thought was Golden Boyd's and the Gift of the Woody as well. I think uh, there are definitely some lows in there. Woody getting beaten up, probably a low point. But I think what they've done with this season is every episode sort of ends on a high. Yeah, they've left uh, the viewers in a happy place. Do you think that was potentially the network going, can you not 
uh, <laughs> <and the> episodes <laughs> in a sad way because we got the Cosby Show on next, <laughs> you know. And we we do quite like our sitcoms to have more comedy. Yeah. You know, we we don't we don't want people tuning in to you know this nice or oh, oh, you know night court and or oh, his legal <laughs> antics and you're there just going. Everyone grows old eventually. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, it's hard to know, but it definitely does seem like it's took a slight tonal shift from previous seasons with this. But I tell you what, some of the most poignant moments, James, we mentioned uh, the gift of the Woody, that ending there when Woody and Kelly say they love each other. So that was one of the poignant moments of the season. It was, yeah. I thought uh, also uh, the end of Hot Rocks with the maybe. Oh, the definitely maybe. See, this is what I mean. Because it was such an ensemble show, I, I remembered that moment. I forgot it was in that episode. Because, Just, it, you know, this, you can take the A and B and C plots and move them mm-hmm. around for, you know, similar episodes. Yeah. Do you know what I did think, James? What? I thought that should have been the end of the season. I Yeah, I think they could have moved around the last few episodes of the, I think of either the... Hot Rocks or The Gift of the Woody should have been uh, the finale. Well, they were both quite near the end. The Gift of the Woody was episode 19. Episode 17 yeah. was was Hot Rocks. Um, I think if they did Hot Rocks, the selling point would have been, look who we've got as a special guest for our finale. Yeah, I think that would have worked well. Of course, in The Gift of the Woody, we had the, we had the Kelly song. Another one near the end was Sisterly Love, which... I think when we talked about it, we said it almost could have been the finale, but Susan and Rebecca reconciling was a thing. Ballad of the Green Berets. Uh, oh, yeah, speech. of course. Yeah, it's Sam talking about not giving up on uh, chances to prove oneself as as he's trying to motivate himself to jump out of a plane. Uh, <laughs> Norm telling the Coopermans people should be valued for what they do, not whom. Uh, and... Uh, Eddie telling Carla he loves her exactly how she is and she doesn't have to be Debbie Reynolds. And uh, Rebecca pulling a gun on Sam, which was done mostly <laughs> for comedic value. But I thought it was a uh, definitely a poignant moment because it showed how desperate she was not to be married to that little twerp Martin Teal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that time he pulled, she pulled a gun. I thought you meant in... Uh... <laughs> Sisterly love. I forgot there were two two gun moments in this season. Just yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many people did Rebecca pull a gun on two, and she shot one of them six times? <laughs> I tell you what, James. Just hearing you list off all those moments, this was a, a strong season. It, it, oh, not not you. <laughs> uh, it, it was a yeah. It was a strong season. I don't know if it was my favorite. I liked how there were particular standout performances which came about through the ensemble episodes. Mm -hmm. I don't think we would have had as uh, heartfelt moments with Woody, for example, in earlier seasons. I'm not sure if it's my favourite season, but I think there's definitely some really good episodes there, aren't there? Yes. Yes. And I think there's some really memorable moments. I'd agree. Yeah, and as we're talking about the episodes, James, how about we... uh, Let's through our top fives. Yeah. Which I tell you, James, this was tough for me. And I think we're going to have very different ones. They bunched up at the top, didn't they? <laughs> Just, they're all very close uh, together. I 
I'm going to start. I don't think it's going to be in your top five. Is this, okay. Is, is this your number five? My so. number five. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be in your top five. Um, though I think you'll definitely like some aspects of it. Was episode four one happy chappy in a snappy serappy? It's not in my top five. It's it's not in my top ten, James. But there are parts you like about it. Yeah, of course there are. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's it. Uh, what is your top five then? My number five, James. I think this might be in your top five. Norm, is that you? Uh, yes, that is in my top five. It so- is a. Good episode, that one. Yeah. But I will say, uh, closely missed off was I Kid You Not. I had a lot of love for that episode. What was that, number six That was then? That was my number six then, yeah. Oh, well, do you want to know what my number four is? Yeah. Indeed, episode 14, I Kid You Not. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good episode. Yeah. I think uh, anything with the cranes in is a win. And it was good to see Carla have a real moment within that episode as well. And a little Ludgo, you know, get that guy, uh, probably not a season now, you know, the spinoff <laughs> might not work quite as well, but... Remember this character you haven't seen for 40 years? He's back. My number four, James, was Golden Boyd. Oh, yes. Uh, I really like, I, I told you before, I'd tell you again, I love it when Cheers just get their little makeshift bar and they throw and host a party or, or work a party. Yes, yes. Uh... Sam going around trying to get tips. <laughs> And of course, that's the introduction of uh, Kelly, which is which is mm-hmm. nice. Uh, and, and Nash. It's good to have a villain sometimes. Played by Tyrone Power Jr. <laughs> <laughs> is it my number three? Mm-hmm. Norm, is that you? For the reasons that you said. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the Cranes, it's Norman. It's Norman following his dreams, being a bit of an opportunist, and at the end, standing up for people and kind of, you know, shooting the yuppie goods down which mm, and, and also pretending that him and sam are item yeah which <laughs> we said at the time he doesn't really go over the top he doesn't play it camp necessarily yeah. he just i think the most he does is not order beer everything else is just dialogue all he says is that mm. yeah this is my this is my boyfriend something to that effect there's no physical behavioral switch which is good to see and i I like the i like the nuance in that performance because yeah he could have uh he could have done um is it lance toboggan from it's always sunny (laughs) with diane devito puts on the wig i'll tell you what james my number three is an episode that i believe you talked to barry about and it's sending the crane Yes. I thought that was such a, a good episode. I just thought it was funny all around. thought you'd like that episode, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was my number three, and I think it's it was a good opportunity to see uh, Fraser Crane out of his element, uh, struggling to try and make kids laugh. It was my uh, number six, so close, mm. close. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely good to see early his sideshow buff. <laughs> um <laughs> I also think it was nice how it fed into the wider story of uh, Lilith being pregnant and Fraser kind of coming to terms with that, even though it wasn't like directly like noted in the episode. I thought it was nice sort of thematically. Thematically. Yes. Well, what would to do with what the underwear and things? Well, I like that part. <laughs> James, I have a prediction. Yeah. I think our top two might be the same. Interesting. My number two is Swear to God. Mine is not. Oh, so my prediction was wrong, but my number one is swear to God. So we still could have the top two, the same technically. Yeah. Why was swear to God your number two? 
I think <sighs> Eric Christmas, you know, <laughs> alone is that scene is wonderful. It was seeing Sam's kind of comeuppance for his antics, mm. how that f- paranoia was going on, and how he was. <laughs> trying so desperately to find a biblical loophole and uh, all just basically all all of that uh all of that uh, aspects and how it combined with the b plot so perfectly of woody playing moses mm. and just the the dovetailing uh is it, it was is a, it, it was a bit of a farce it was a bit <laughs> rompy i guess is what is what you'd call it but i think the way that <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, Father Barry, he just, his whole attitude summarized the whole episode, just him going, now is that why you're here, Sam? <laughs> just, is it economy of writing, is what you said before, James? That dovetailing? Uh, it's efficiency of writing. Efficiency uh, of writing. It was an early episode, so I can't remember ex- the exact writing, but I do remember the joy I had from the episode uh, and just, you know, the coming away from it with a being how pleased I was with that episode and yes Seinfeld particularly the middle seasons did this particularly well where they dovetail plots Arrested Development did it very well uh, and mm. as you say economy of writing particularly in comedy is so noticeable I think that episode as do a, a lot of Cheers episodes over over the years they're able to set something up so well that you can watch it and, you know, just every joke uh, hits the point it's supposed to do uh, and, and, and no point. I think it's the reason that I uh, may feel that some of the more farcical episodes can be a little contrived because it feels mm. like they, they have to reach in order to reach uh, a, the inevitable conclusion, whereas Swear to God felt like a natural character arc yeah i tell you what james for all those reasons that's why it was my number one but one other thing that the only thing i can add to that is just how i really liked how we got a lot of scenes with sam and carla together which felt quite reminiscent of season one and their dynamic in that but like you say i think i think woody coming in dressed as moses and scaring the living daylights out of sam is probably a standout moment in the season for me in terms of comedic value, memorability, and like you say, efficiency of writing as well. That was probably, it's a shame it was in episode two, because I think it was probably my standout moment of the season. Well, as we said, it was probably a recycled script from the season six finale, is uh, mm. is our hypothesis, um, because that was you know going to be an AIDS scare, uh, and they probably took elements of Sam's reaction to that aid scare in terms of uh, appealing to a higher power for some kind of mm. intervention, the panic moments. And then they went, you know what? Make it less AIDSy, yeah? Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, have it a pregnancy scare. And they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, this is <laughs> the late 80s. That's a much better call. Is I think why, why it works as well as it does because uh, they, they knew what they wanted to do. Uh, they just for obvious reasons, didn't want it to be as harrowing. Should I tell you my uh, number two, James, then? Yeah. And then it, it might be your number one. My second to the top was Bar Wars episode two, The Woodman Strikes Back. Oh. 
It's not my number one. Okay, well, I'll I'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll um, anticipate and hear what your number one is. But I just thought it was such a good episode. Again, I think the Bar Wars always stand out um, for their writing. And it, so much happens in that episode alone, but it was nice to see Woody taking uh, a centre stage role in it. And it reminded me a little bit of, I can't remember the name of the episode now, but the all the way back in season one with the sort of sting element with Harry the Hat uh, trying to double cross the, the con man and that kind of elaborate plan that's unfolding in front of you, which has quite a few twists and turns. I thought it was a great episode for that. Uh, and the genuine surprise when uh, it was Woody Harrelson pretending to be the judge. Yes, which is interesting because uh, the judge is not credited, if I recall correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so they they pulled the pulled the woman in black on us. Uh. <laughs> but that that was my number two episode, and then my number one was swear to God. So what was your number one then, James? Well, I'll talk more about about Bar Wars two because although it wasn't in my top five or or top six, I agree that the Bar Wars episodes are reliable. I mm. think, as as you alluded to, it's always good to have. A villain. It's always nice having a villain. Uh, and I think a lot of shows recently have used that same kind of Cheers, Gary's rivalry, but in mm. the the aspects of their show. So the Brooklyn Nine-Nine has the fire department, I believe, mm. as their rivalry. I've not seen The Office, but I think there's a rival office in The Office. Father Ted, which is a Irish sitcom is set on one Irish island about about a parish of priests and their rivals are the priests in the island next <laughs> next to them. That kind of turf uh, rivalry is something we all recognise and I think something which, because of that, can be quite joyous to watch because we're root, root, rooting for the home team, as, mm. as Sam would say. I think it does uh, come into, it's a slightly more farcical episode, I guess. And you know me, James, I'm a lover of the farce. You love the farce, yeah. <laughs> I think all my uh, top fives in every season review have a little bit more farce than you might do, because uh, I like the silly side of things. Um, Woody <laughs> hanging, Norman Cliff uh, about to leave Cheers to find Woody and then seeing Woody dangling through the window. Yes. Uh, what yeah. a funny moment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it was funny. I liked how we had Joel Polis back as well as, mm. as Gary. Alternating Gary's. Who who's it gonna be this <laughs> this season? My number one was another Woody related episode. It was the gift of the Woody. And uh, just short the, of my top five. The reason I liked this one and the reason I liked it as well as I did, and I think it falls into what you said that you like the sillier side of things. And I'm mm. like, no, I wanted to have depth. I want to come <laughs> over, I want to come away from a Cheers episode, not just laughing, but thinking. <laughs> um but the gift of the Woody, it was primarily about that that class divide that they had going mm. going on. As well as as the title suggests, the irony in trying to get the best gift for someone you love but them not being able to use it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very poignant motif. Mm -hmm. I think it showed off Woody Harrelson's musical chops 
than other performances of that song in the years since this episode, uh, too much acclaim. And I think mm. it sounds like there's a standing ovation. Obviously, we can't see. I would have given it a standing ovation, as I was telling uh, Barry in the episode. But what I like about it the most is, as I say, that, that sweet ending uh, that comes mm. from it, how throughout the episode, it's... And I've had a big conversation with, with uh, someone. It's actually the uh, the person who does our cover photo on Facebook. I had a deep conversation with her about how the best comedies and the most well-reputed comedies aren't necessarily the funniest. So we'll take two key examples. In the UK, the most well-revered UK sitcom arguably, and I think it has been for a number of years now, is only Fools and Horses. Often, it wasn't funny. Often, it was quite sad. But the main point of that show is the family connection between these two brothers, Mm -hmm. just trying to, you know, make a living, basically. Whereas in the US, you have MASH, which is sometimes hilarious, sometimes deeply disturbing. What these shows have in common is the emotional impact they can have. It's why in some comedies they can be very funny throughout, but then you get heart-wrenching scenes such as Ben's funeral in Scrubs, uh, Jurassic Bark mm. in Futurama. Uh, and I think what The Gift of the Woody did really well was hammer home the rom-com aspect, which, you mm. know, I'm, I'm sometimes, you know, a sap at heart, John. Sometimes, sometimes I do just need a little rom comma to come away going. They don't need money; they have love. <laughs> so that's 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 why I like that episode. Do you know, James? I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> I think uh, the gift of the Woody was also up there for me, and uh, for all the same reasons. I think that's obviously one of the longest-lasting, iconic moments, probably this season. That always. I mean, it, it appears on talk shows when as music, intro music for people walking out. And you talked more about the legacy in that episode itself. Uh, inspiring wrestling names, I'm pretty sure, was one of the things. Yeah, Kelly Kelly. All sorts yeah. within that. <laughs> <laughs> Some honourable mentions of episodes. Hot Rocks, Jumping Jerks, Adventures in House Sitting. They were all close to my, uh, well, they were in my top, top ten. Ones that weren't in my top ten, James. Sisterly Love and the Visiting Lecture weren't close to my top five or in my top ten. Ones which were in my top ten, didn't quite make uh, the top five, were The Crane Makers, Executive Suite, What's Up Doc, Please Mr. Postman, and Adventures in House Sitting. For very different reasons. Well, do you know what? Our top tens are crazy different. <laughs> yes, it's, it's bizarre, yeah. <laughs> I do think in the whole top tens, we've probably got three which are the same. Yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. But again, it's because it's uh, because of how much of an ensemble show mm. it is. Uh, and I think this is probably the most different that our top tens have ever been. I think mm. season six, we had quite similar ones, potentially. I think I we did. Not, I think our top one was the same in that season. Mm. The only time we agreed on that. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think... I don't think there was any episode we. Uh, I, w- I wasn't going to say dislike. I definitely didn't dislike any, but there wasn't any episode which I felt was, as I say, a uh, reach or a, a farcical, a farce mm. too far 
Um, because I don't, I don't think there are particularly any overly farcical episodes. Uh, mm. There were farcical moments in episodes, as you said, the the visiting lecture when they all walk out of the of the closet. Bar Wars Two had a fair few farcical moments, but not in itself a farcical episode. Uh, you know, Adventures in House Sitting. I'd say the third act was was a farce, but up until then, you know. So yeah, I think there wasn't any episode where I felt at a loss as to what. Uh, where where the story was going in the episode, you know? I tell you what, James, I think it's that time of our tradition in every season review, but we have a little bit of an award ceremony for some of our standout moments or guests or other within this season. So I'm not sure if we want to kick off with an award. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I've got a couple of awards here. Two awards. I don't, what, how many awards do you have? That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got three awards, James. Look at Mr. Popular. Okay. <laughs> what are your what's your first award then, Josh? Just I'm going to kick off with uh, I I know you always come at me with better titles of awards, so you you've beat me on that. My first award is for the Fish and Awarder Awards. Oh. This is for a character who's went out of their comfort zone. No? Ah. Some nominees or some contenders. Uh Carla at a lovely fancy meal in I kid you not. Yeah. I thought it was a great moment. Uh, very unexpected of Carla but she brought it. The cranes in the cabin in the woods. Yes. <laughs> Norm as an interior designer. Woody at Kelly's party. Uh, and of course that class divide there. Uh, but James, the standout moment is obviously Fraser the Clown. Of course it is. I was Spraying trying to think- Rebecca with a little flower. <laughs> yeah. And then exposing himself to an old woman. <laughs> well, that, that's not the standout moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes, no, I I'd agree with that. <laughs> I think it's it's you know summarised why Binky do your act. I don't have an act. I'm a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> My first award. Who's the boss? Is it <laughs> that title it's, of an award? I mean, I didn't come up with it. It's a TV show with I think Tony Danza, <laughs> Brian Bedford as Vice President Greg Stone. Uh, he was replaced by Vice President Martin Teal, and then and then we've got the the rolling carousel of other bosses, <laughs> Mr. Sheridan, Mr. Gaines, and Mr. Mm. Annawalt. And Mr. Annawalt was arrested for insider trading. <laughs> okay, uh, out of those, uh, there was maybe what there was five bosses listed there. Who do you think I picked? I think you will have picked Mr. Gaines. I think you will have picked. I did pick Mr. Gaines just because he, he was a recurring character and I like the kind of rivalry that he built up. Mm-hmm. Uh, rivalry, but a respectful rivalry. He didn't hate Woody. He was just kind of confused by him. <laughs> Which, you know, he didn't think he was an unpleasant man. He was just like, yes, you you don't have money, do you? Hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah, I, I think we'll see more of him as the relationship continues. My next award, James, is a little uh, a little award called Cliff Notes. 
Oh. Crazy things Cliff has done this season. <laughs> uh, you said you didn't have good names. Look at you with your, <laughs> your Cliff. <laughs> so within this series, we saw Cliff uh, taunt an attack dog. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> we saw him lie to the police. Oh, and... and um... Please, Mr. Postman. Yeah. Yeah, we saw uh, him fanboy over Admiral William J. Crowell. <laughs> <laughs> we saw him skydive and jumping jerks. We saw him create a hybrid vegetable of the Beda Bega. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think is the craziest thing he did this season, James? I'm going to guess some, it's, give someone an electric button. Uh, pe- uh, like got a person to sort of electrocute him in a bar. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah. that's you know that's. I think that's the most insane thing Cliff did this season. <laughs> He's a weird guy. Uh, I'll be surprised <laughs> if he tops that anytime soon. I think dressing a potato up as Richard Nixon was was uh, pretty out there. My next one: make mine a single. And I'm oh, smiling wow. while I say it because it's best musical moment. You know, like the LPs. <laughs> it took me too long to come up with that as a title, though. Embarrassingly long. Most of the time spent making making these notes were going, oh, something to do with a shot? No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you've lost that loving feeling or unchained melody, depending on which version of the episode you watched. Uh, Ballad of the Green Berets. Uh, that is a good moment, that one. In the same episode as uh, that Righteous Brothers moment, mm. uh, my funny Valentine, as Frasier sadly and with difficulty tries to <laughs> light a fire. Now, mm. I think you know what my favourite musical moment is. I'm trying to think now. It's, it's, I think it would be obvious. Oh, oh. of course. Kelly. <laughs> yeah, the old Kelly song. Because uh, it's, you know, it's just lovely. It's a wonderful moment, and I think in in uh, like top fifty Cheers moments, I think across the whole show that comes up pretty often in a lot mm. of lists for top top moments. James, my final award, I present a present. This is for the best gift through this season. Oh, we've seen a I few, see. have we? Huh. Yep, we uh, we saw Cliff's keyring for his ma, as made by Anthony for Carla, and he bought it for five bucks. Yeah. Saw some anniversary flowers and some dirty laundry delivered to Carla for their anniversary. The the flowers, of course, were delivered not by Eddie, but by Carla herself. And Herb Kane. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we've, of course, we've got two more here, James. I want to see if you can guess them both and see which one you would put first. Uh, is, is one of them re- the really big book of Dutch humour? It wasn't. Okay, well, then the, the Kelly song is a gift. Uh, the Kelly song was a, was a gift, and the winner, James, which beat the song, is of course the French underwear. Oh, oh my! <laughs> He's going al fresco. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a taskmaster. <laughs> Br- bring in the best gift. It's like that was a lovely song, <laughs> but I'm going to take the budgie smugglers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my award for this season. I've said it. It is so. <laughs> I tell you what though, James, there's one grand final award, which uh, we do every season as well, which is for the guest actors. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll run off some of them, some of the more memorable ones, and I guess we'll decide between us who we think should yeah. take the award for that. I, uh, I've got a, f- a few. 
Uh, Eric Christmas as Father Barry, Alex mm-hmm. Neville as Martin Teal, Joel Polis as Gary, Annie Golden mm-hmm. as Margaret O'Keefe, Jackie Swanson as Kelly, Richard Doyle as her dad, Mr. Gaines, Jared Lennon as Ludlow Tortelli, particularly as a child actor, thought he was hilarious, mm-hmm. Madeline Smith as Dr. Sheila Rydell, Marsha Cross as Susan Howe, <laughs> nice singing an early Marsha Cross role. Those are some of my contenders. I don't know who my favourite is. I'll have a think while you list yours. I only had five listed down, James, but Joe Polis was one of them. Jackie Swanson. I also had Jared Lennon because uh, I love that episode. And Eric <laughs> Christmas for me. Uh, yeah. I, I have a feeling Father Barry might have been my favourite through this season. I think out of the ones listed, yeah, I th- uh, the others did a very good job, but I think Father Barry... He was only in that one scene, and he absolutely nailed it. <laughs> and I think Swear to God was your second favourite, my top favourite this season. And I think he made that episode what it yes. was. Exactly. Yeah. Are we giving it to Eric Christmas? Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> of course, John, it's a uh, Cliff, thank you. Or oh, Beta Baker Snacks. Delightful. What's this? Trivia? Well... All right then, you cheeky minx. Off you go. I think that's the last time I'll call him that. <laughs> James, my first question is a little bit about uh, some special guests through this season because there's one special guest we didn't talk about. Okay. And uh, they didn't appear in an episode. They appeared in a little bit of a special that aired during this season. Who was it, James? Uh, the actor or their role? The role. It's it's Mickey Mouse. It is. Who who would have you said for actor? <laughs> no one. I wouldn't have known the answer. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yes, this was as part of uh, Mickey a, a Mickey Table of Eyes special where he dropped by Cheers because he's been reported missing. He swings by Cheers, has some root beers, uh, sings Happy Birthday to Rebecca, and then he goes on his merry way. Yeah, I've seen that clip. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit sort of Roger Rabbit-esque. Uh, we've got that clip, James. I think we'll throw that on our Facebook channel so uh, everyone can see it. It's a surreal moment for Cheers. Yeah, nothing to add to that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> well, it's, I will just say quickly, it aired between uh, the executive suite and one happy chappy in Snappy Surappy. Oh, so it interspersed which is a weird one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where Cheers huh. uh, is currently Samless, but he's uh, he's there with Mickey, right? <laughs> huh. But I thought that was an interesting note. He's not as good as Eric Christmas, but Mickey Mouse <laughs> dropped by Cheers, and I think that was worth noting for this season review. It, it is, yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of roles, two roles this season were held by late replacement actors. Can you tell me the original actors for both, as well as who replaced them? Uh, late, as in... They weren't the original the... choice for the for the role. Okay, yeah. so we've obviously got John Cleese. Yes. Who uh, was replaced by... I couldn't tell you, James. It's... Uh, well, you know who the character is. Uh, it was meant yeah. to be Dr. Simon Finchroyce. It became mm. Dr. Lawrence Crandall uh, and John McMartin was who replaced John Cleese as that character. There's one other replacement. And uh, this was, of course, in Sisterly Love with Joan Severance was originally cast as Suzanne Howe. Yes, and it became... 
Uh, Marsha Cross. Marsha C. Yes. There you go. Yep. Three for four. Good enough. <laughs> now, James, we talked about a special guest who was on on the screen there in terms of Mickey Mouse, but I found a bit of a quote which suggests that Kirstie Alley brought someone on set during her run on Cheers. Might not necessarily have been in season seven, but which famous face dropped by the set? Oh. And and was reported to be a little shy. Oh, um, she did. She did speak of this. It was someone who, were they working on Cheers or were they just a friend of Kirsty? They were a friend of Kirsty Alley. Friend of Kirsty Alley. Um, they've been friends with her since the mid 80s. Mm. If they were a little shy, it's not going to be Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a clue, James. You have mentioned them in an episode through season seven. Well, I wonder who... <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> it's someone I've mentioned. I... It's not Travolta, is it? Nope. Okay. Who is it? It was Prince. Oh. Prince dropped by. Uh, Jackie Swanson and Alley used to discuss their friendships with Prince on set. Prince dropped by. Apparently he was a little shy, according to a quote, which I can't find attributed to anywhere. But apparently it's said by Kirsty Alley. But they used to discuss their friendship with him. Uh, and then Jackie Swanson received the note where he had said he penned a song about her called Parlamento Pleasure Rides and uh, told Kirsty Alley. Yeah. He was a little bit jealous. <laughs> I mean, it's not the best name for a song, but um, but I yeah, I didn't know they were friends, but it does check out that Prince was a bit shy. I have heard that about him. Yeah. Take this with a grain of salt, because I've, I've just found quotes, but with no credible sources, so, you know. Well, it's, <laughs> it's within the realms of possibility, but yeah, I can believe that Prince was a little shy. Uh, I can I can believe that. But he was a big fan of the show, apparently. I would have loved Prince to rock up in Cheers. <laughs> um, hey Sam, what can I drive your little red Corvette? <laughs> <laughs> no, Prince, get out of here! <laughs> you came in through the outdoor, Prince. That that's not a weird line. That's a that's a line from um, Raspberry Berry, I think. It's a line from one of his songs. It's not just a weird weird quote. Um, <laughs> But it's purple raining outside. I'll stop. <laughs> I could go on. But uh, but I feel this is very much a one-player game. <laughs> yeah, I've got no quotes for you, James. No wordplay. As this is the seventh season, in which episode did the guys watch The Magnificent Seven? Oh, gosh. Your questions have been a lot better than mine. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm looking at the the list of the episodes, and I can't remember, but I feel like it could have been Jumping Jerks, because I I know something spurred them on to try and have an adventure, and that seems to make sense to me. It was. I'm going to say that. Yeah, it was Jumping Jerks for exactly that reason, yes. A great episode to end our discussion on, I think. I quite like the inclusion of that reference to Magnificent Seven, because it kind of does a little bit of a throwback to the coach days when him and Sam would watch those sort of spaghetti westerns. I, I like that that hasn't been lost as the seasons went on. As we're ready to board and jump off our plane, we wait for the, we wait for the signal to tell us it's go time. And there it is. <laughs> but don't jump off that plane yet, James, because we've got a bonus episode coming out today. 
Whoa, that, that plane's headed to that plane's headed to <laughs> Nantucket. <laughs> Steady on, son. <laughs> That's right. We've got a bonus episode launching on our Patreon today and Anchor Plus. Anchor Plus, yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, like we've got a Disney, bonus. <laughs> like Disney or Paramount. Um, but we've yeah, no, it's a subscription for bonus episodes is also available through Anchor and Spotify. Yeah. And in that episode, we're going to be talking about planes, trains, and visiting cranes. That's right. It's, yeah. a, it's a Cheers crossover. So if you want that, check out our patron, Anchor Plus, or Spotify. Yeah. Uh, the just is... Fraser and Lilith are going to uh, Nantucket, uh, where the cast of Wings are, as well as, you know, the, the plot of Wings. Uh, <laughs> for an episode of Wings, but you get the gist. Wings, but with Fraser and Lilith. Well, hey, I guess the, <laughs> the only thing we have left to say is, uh, what's, uh, what should we be drinking? What should our house special be for season seven? An obvious one comes to mind for me. Go ahead, because I've got no obvious ideas here, James. Yeah, well, it's a seven and seven. Oh, a seven and seven it is, James. A fitting end to a, a great season. And uh, I suppose we should toast the ensemble cast. A lot of great stories through this season. Anything else you want to add, James? No, I was just going to say sevens <laughs> up, but that's not a phrase. But you know how I like my, my seven and seven, John? Uh, to go. <laughs> shaken, shaken, not stirred. It's another seven reference for you there. Mm. Nom nom nom. <laughs> well, I'll also add that we're very grateful for you listening to our podcast and following us. We appreciate your listenership. We look forward to season eight. And uh, thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. <laughs>